Welcome back to the United Pubcast. Apologies for being one or two minutes late because football is full of fine margins and we're preparing a nice sort of casual sit-back of a stream in terms of science super Sabitzer and 2-0 and one foot in the semi-final. Five minutes later, Larry, we're going to have a very different discussion because um, whether Manchester United threw it away, bottled it, whatever you want to define, whatever you want to sort of describe it as, the second leg is far different now and that he's on that is Manchester United's own doing. You can give severe credit where, where need be. But ultimately, Manchester United had this tie pretty much in the bag. And look, football is a funny old game. And five minutes later, it's definitely not in the bag. So just sum up your quick thoughts. Um, Seven o'clock on a Friday morning. Uh, not the chat we wanted. No, it's not the chat we wanted. And Manchester United absolutely did bottle it. There's no two ways about it. Uh, we were in the ascendancy, 2-0 up. At, at the 85th minute, we, had, we were two goals up in the leg. And uh, Sabitza switches off. There's nothing De Gea can do for that goal, to be Malaysia. honest. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying Melassia's fault. He switches yeah, off. Yeah, no, no, I thought you said Sabitza switched off. Oh, no, Melassia. No, no, yeah, I get what you mean. Melassia switches off. De Gea couldn't have done anything because like, he's, he's too close. There's no time to react. And Harry Maguire, I mean, I, I think he switches off a little bit as well, if I'm being honest. I think he, he wasn't alert to the ball. It's obviously landed on his head. Like, it's unlucky in the grand scheme of things, but... If he was a bit more alert, again, I think that could, was quite avoidable. It, it's really unlucky, but it, it's not good enough, Tom. I've got, I got to be honest. I know Varane went off. I know Martinez went off. Obviously, our first-choice defenders, you prefer them out there, and that doesn't happen if they are there, but you've got to do better. It's just not acceptable at 2-0 up. Yeah, look, look, it's one of those ones that, okay, team, uh, f- football is a team game. It's the collective, and the people say there's no why in team. Well, I'm telling you there's 11 eyes in terms of there's 11 individuals out there. And um, it is a team game, but it's made up of you know, 11 individuals and they need to all take responsibility and do their own job. And I thought, yeah, it was kind of sort of passing the buck on at times in terms of, okay, it's not my responsibility, you do it. And look, ultimately, these players have done well this season, but in terms of when they deserve a bit of criticism, they're going to get it today. And look, again, fine margins. One, sort of not to blame it all on Tromalassia, but if he switches on and clears that ball out for a throw-in or a corner... We're sitting back and saying 2 0, we're in the semi final. I'm just saying, ultimately, it's not on Terrell Malassia, but it kind of is because that's all well, it, it comes down to individual sort of moments. And if it would be sort of praising the individual brilliance of Sabitza if it was 2 0, unfortunately, we can't have that discussion now. We'll get in the 3 2 ones in a little bit in regards to Sabitza. I'm definitely I'm positive he will get those three points for the two and one points, definitely changes. In that last 10 minutes, do appreciate everyone in the live chat. There's a lot of chats, um, a lot of comments flying in, which is good. Do appreciate it. We'll get to as many as possible, but. Um, a lot in there. We want to keep the sort of conversation flowing. So do get your thoughts in, but I'll hit a few of the um, comments. Um, Rob, yeah, summing up my thoughts, disaster and pain. Tad here with an interesting chat. I wouldn't say cost us the game today, but we're going to get into Eric Ten Hag's sort of game management and sort of what was forced, what was unforced and what was his choice and what was he looking forward to on the weekend. And one or two interesting subs, one or two forced subs. So I think Eric Ten Hag's game management is um, sort of definitely up for debate. Boxy Sevilla deserved no credit. Yeah, look, I think it was United's own doing. However, Sevilla had to go and take the chances. Sevilla had to go and get it done. If we were 2-0 down and we had to rely on the mistake of someone else, um, as if we were 2-0 down at Old Trafford against Manchester City and we came back, okay, we could look at a Manchester City mistake, but ultimately we'd say, oh, good fight by the players, never giving up. So I think Sevilla do deserve a bit of credit, but ultimately we can only look in our own backyard. And it definitely was United. Vin here, good to see you, mate. Um, it's obviously not on a good morning, but good to have you. Sorry to say that was poor game management. Hope it's not a ser- serious injury for the players um, affected, even if it does end their season. Now, I have a feeling my first hunch, and we'll start with it, Larry Lissandro Martinez. We'll get into everyone's comments and the performance, but this is the elephant in the room for me. 
I have a feeling Europa League quarter final in the 16-17 seasons. Zlatan Ibrahimovic did his ACL, was out for the season. Here we are, quarter final at Old Trafford in the Europa League. I'm not a doctor. I think Lucero Martinez has done his Achilles, and if he has that surgery and he's out for the rest of the season and well into next season, um, that's my hunch. I'm not a doctor. I have a feeling that's a bad one. It's a, it has to be his Achilles. The the way he just stopped, like it's a non-impact injury. That's an Achilles, and, and if his Achilles goes, that's generally speaking, then Achilles rarely gets done nowadays. But the prime example is David Beckham. Very similar to how David Beckham did it when he was playing mm. for AC Milan. Just yeah. goes to step off, and their, their first reaction is to look behind them. Everyone who I've never done my Achilles, they say it's excruciating they say like pain. Sniped, like you just. But they say they you feel something. You've been shot from behind. Their first reaction is to look. And um, is exactly what Lissandro Martinez has done. And again, look, I'm not a doctor, fingers crossed that's not the case, but the first hunch and just his reaction as well. Sometimes you can tell a player when, even if they're in excruciating pain, they can kind of mask it a little bit and sort of sort of have the realisation of what has happened. And I think Lissandro Martinez's reaction, he knows something's happened and not good. Forget the result. Forget the result. Forget the mm-hmm. blown a two-goal lead. Having Lissandro Martinez out for the rest of the season is a, it's a disaster. He's our best defender. And and I think him and Varane as a partnership, I mean, of course, you can make the argument Varane's our best defender, but in terms of the influence for, uh, Martinez has on the ball, I don't think that that can be replaced by anyone in the squad. He, his mm. technical ability isn't something that's spoken about, and I think it's not spoken about because it's so seamless. It's just so good. It's just something we take for granted. He, he can't be replaced in this team, and we might be in a position where Lindelof and Maguire are going to be our starting centre-backs for the rest of the season. It's a lot of pressure. I think on Saturday they are. Uh, I'll Saturday or Sunday whenever we play against Nottingham Forest. P.O., I'm good to see you, mate. Um, that was a horrible ending, lads. Um, that's the last team in the to- this tournament you want to do that too. Do you think there was a thing in that last five minutes, maybe not before the goal went in, before Molassi's mistake, but especially when that first goal went in for Sevilla, there was a part of Manchester United were thinking, oh, God, here we are, Europa League. In their minds, they're probably thinking that's an away goal. I know away goals don't count, but in their mind, okay, that's an away goal for Sevilla. Do you think that sort of crept in that last five minutes in regards to the aura Sevilla have in this competition, just Uh, subconsciously? I don't don't think so. I think that the Manchester United players that were on the pitch when United went behind is a different group of players that went behind in previous years. In terms of, um, I know we'll get into Ten Hag. Let's focus on the players on the pitch for a moment, though. Um, Ericsson is a player who I would expect that can control a game temper. He just, he, he didn't do it. And that's not his fault alone. Uh, Casemiro, this, the midfield, I thought, just got overran. They got overran in that 80, 85th minute onwards. And, and I, I, I kind of understand as a player when you're 2-0 up and you're close to full time, and I know that can play into your mind, but I just thought the game management from the midfield, the players on the pitch, it just wasn't there that, Sevilla, I don't know if there was a change from Sevilla. I'd, I'd need to go back and check, but it just felt like United got overrun in midfield. It just felt like they had one extra player. You say game management from the players. How about everyone in the live chat? Not often this happens. And look, I tend to agree and somewhat disagree. It's a weird one. So keep the comments flying in. I'll probably sway my opinion. You talk about the players sort of getting overrun and sort of making the wrong decisions and not performing. Eric Ten Hag made some interesting choices. Now, nine times out of ten, he makes the right choices. Ultimately, though, in terms of you just look at the facts, it hasn't proved to be the right decision today. But some weird ones. Okay, the two defenders, okay, they're going to be so – they're forced off through injury. But Bruno Fernandes on a yellow card. He's going to get these rest in a couple of weeks or next week anyway. So I thought taking him off was interesting. We'll get into the yellow – that wasn't a yellow card. But, okay, he misses the second leg, which is another discussion. Um, bringing Anthony Alangron, who I didn't, didn't 
didn't think do anything wrong, but okay, Anthony Langer is is not the European quarterfinal sort of player. Veghorst for Martial, I understand you've got to sort of monitor Martial's injury, but um, the substitutions didn't work. And as I said, with Eric Ten Hag, very often they do work, and we praise him for it. Today they didn't. I don't want to criticise him, but all fair in love and war, you do have to criticise him today because everything was going well until Eric started changing things. I have no issue with what Eric Ten Hag did. Yeah, no, no, no issue. Just. Yeah, it's... But that's the thing that I'm seeing. I'm seeing. Oh, his game management was poor today. Well, no, it wasn't. To be honest, I mean, if if he played these players till the 90th minute and then we're tired and leggy against Nottingham Forest, the same people criticizing Ten Hag for his game management now are also going to be saying, "Oh, well, he should have brought Sancho off in the 60th minute. Should have brought Martial off in the 60th minute. He's still coming back from injury." At two 0 up, you would expect again the players on the pitch to be able to manage the game. There's enough experience there. Casemiro, Ericsson, keep the ball, keep possession. That didn't happen. And fundamentally, I put the blame at the players. I think Eric Ten Hag, it's what we discussed in the preview, Tom. He's looking ahead and he's saying we've got big games. The Premier League's important. I know we value trophies, but finishing in the top four is your best bet at securing Champions League football. We don't know who the owners are going to be next season, if it will change at all. Let's assume it's the Glazers. This matters. This matters and it's relevant. Let's assume it's the Glazers because they're taking this to a third round of bidding because they're assholes, all right? There is a very possible situation the Glazers are still in charge. You know what that means? Every dollar that we get from making Champions League matters. So finishing in the top four absolutely matters. Eric Ten Hag can't afford not to make the top four. That's why he's bringing off his best players. I see that argument, of course, and we've had this debate plenty of times in regards to top four money and trophies. For me, it's trophies. And we're still in with a very good shout of winning this. We can go to see and get the result. But um, there's one comment in regards to game management. And the, the one for me, like, okay, Alanga and Plester and Vecors, they're, they're all substitutions. And we can go the individuality of Terrell Molassi making a better decision and clearing the ball. And we're saying great game management by Eric Ten Hart. As I said, they are fine margins. But the one that did get to me was Bruno Fernandes. There's a few comments here, Mark, saying the annoying thing is we could have been won that game 4-0. I get Bruno coming off to give Ericsson 30 minutes against the team who we're playing next week, but no reason to bring Anthony off. I thought Anthony did quite well. I um, was always on the verge of making something happen. And Box here, two comments in regards to Bruno. Bruno want to bring up. Taking, up, taking off Bruno when he's already suspended next week was bizarre. I did not understand that at all, simply because he's going to get his rest. He doesn't have to get on the plane to Spain next week. He played Bruno for 90 minutes when we're up against Reading, but he takes him off in a European quarter final. That's where, look, Eric Ten Hag has done no wrong in my opinion. He's done absolutely brilliantly. He's the furthest, player, furthest person from criticism at this club. Ultimately, that, I didn't get it. And usually I get, I just, I did, can, cannot get my head around it. I'm baffled by it. The Bruno one, it's fair to ask questions. Um, but with Sancho and Martial particularly, I've got no qualms with it. Just, I, well, again, if if Bruno, let me ask you this though. If Bruno didn't play in the six in the last two games, would we even be that critical of this decision? I think it's Bruno's actually influence on the game over the last few weeks that's actually changed the way we're thinking about Bruno. Oh, wait, he's capable of managing a game. He can keep the ball. Complete 100 passes the other day. I don't think it's so about I, his uh, style or anything. Just, he's one of our best players. Yeah, he is, but... In terms of how, let's look at how United lost this game because that's important. It's not, I didn't look at that performance and say, oh, United needed a third goal. It was a case of Manchester United needed to control and dictate the game and the game tempo. And that's where I think we failed. And ultimately, when that happens, 
it's a, it's a team collective, but I put a lot of that down to the midfield. And like I said, I thought the midfield particularly just got overran um, in that in, in the latter stages of the game, which was really disappointing because even when those subs came on, Sevilla went on top. It was, we really just capitulated in the last 10 minutes, to be honest. And, and that's the thing. If United don't switch off, if Malasia doesn't switch off, if Maguire doesn't switch off, if the midfield managed the game a little bit better, we're not criticizing Eric Ten Hag. So if we were fine from the 60th minute to the 85th minute, why is it Eric Ten Hag's fault? It's the player's fault. Yeah, definitely. Well, Chris here with a good point in regards to here we are very, very critical of the Bruno decision, but he ultimately says we don't know what's gone behind the scenes with tiredness, how the players are feeling. We can sit and talk about it all. And that's one of the things with Bruno Fernandes. We're saying give him a rest, give him a rest, give him a rest. Ultimately, he's giving him a rest through no fault of that maybe substitution. As I said, it's troll. I'm not blaming Troll Malassia, but it's a very sort of specific point to point out. If Troll Malassia doesn't do that, we're saying that's a great substitution resting Bruno Fernandes. So ultimately, he is right. Um, we're being called for Bruno Fernandez to be subbed and sort of rested. Ultimately, it happens, and it looks like it backfires. But um, before we scrape some one or two positives, because the first half I thought was very good, I want to touch on because we might as well keep a little bit of positivity. But at the back, obviously, Varane, it doesn't look like a serious one, but who knows? Um, Rafael Varane always potentially has a little bit of injury cloud, so we'll get a little bit of clarity on that in a little bit. But Lissandro Martinez obviously looks like it could be quite serious. Unfortunately, we'll sort of get a little bit more information in a day or two. But obviously that sort of gives us the inclination that um, starting against Forrest and maybe even away in Spain is going to be Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof. Now, just the Harry Maguire one, you said he switched on. Now, I didn't even watch the replay of the goal. I just sort of, it was one of those ones. I didn't want anything to do with it. So when it went in, I just sort of walked away and was gathering my thoughts sort of thing. I haven't seen the replay. You said he switched off. and I'm not going to disagree. I can't have a, I don't have a clear recollection of exactly the lead up to the goal. But ultimately, just the header coming, bouncing off his head, it comes back to what I was saying a year ago, or just in the sort of real sort of middle patch of his sort of bad form. I was saying, even if he's doing nothing wrong, it's just why you can't have him in the team, whether he's good enough, not good enough, captain, not captain. It's just everything that it's through no fault of his own. Like a header just hit his big head and went in, but it, it's not going to happen to anyone else. It's nothing, he did nothing wrong in that, in that instant. It. Yeah, it, it, it's the law it's of attraction just... in the wrong way, or Murphy's law. You know, Murphy's law, your body just doesn't do what you want it to. It's like Maguire, last year, remember there was those shots, I think one or two shots last season, the guy was lined up the shot, and before he had the shot, he said, this is going to deflect off Maguire, and it deflected off Maguire and went in, and it sort of had that similar feel here. He's a poor bastard, honestly. Like when, And I've got to be honest, like in terms of his actual performance today when he, he comes fine. on, he was fine. And then yeah. on the weekend, really good, actually, really good. He, he played in a high line, and he, and he had good instinctual defending, one-on-one defending, it was all there. And then the blooper happens. And he does it every single season. But now what's going to happen off the back of that, through no fault of his own, now confidence-wise, he's going to see that people are going to get on his back, fans are going to abuse him and his family on Twitter. That's going to get to him. And that's not going to give him the confidence going into next week when he's going to have to perform. Yeah, it's it's a difficult one. Do do we know what the injury with Rafael Varane was? Um, I'm not sure. It it didn't look like one of those sort of big serious ones. It looks like maybe a precaution, but I haven't seen any information. Maybe Eric Ten Hag is providing a few quotes now. If there is any news breaking um, over Twitter or social media, do let us know in the live chat and we'll dissect it as we go. And um, Chris here, if his head wasn't so big. It's just, yeah, Murphy's law. It's it's one of those things. Yeah. And um, Steve, there was also late panic added... um, to the Maguire mix, yeah. Look, but that through that's through Manchester United's own doing. We can, as I said, it is individual. Harry Maguire is trending on Twitter. Ah, 
No, and and he, he's going to cop it. And, and I said, oh, I think that's bad because we're going to rely on him. He's going to be captain next week in Spain. And uh, fans getting on his case and abusing him and his family, that's not going to help his performance. <laughs> Troll football. Put Maguire celebrated his goal by doing the Black Lives Matters nil respect. <laughs> no, it's, it's, as I said, it's going to be trending. It's going to be... Look, there are funny parts to it, of course, but um, oh, I'm not laughing in regards to what Manchester United need. Manchester United need a performance um, next week, and the only way they're going to do that is um, support. Well, obviously, we've got to be critical, obviously, but the players do need the support. This is going to be a tough time for the uh, players because that's going to feel like a loss. Okay, 2-2 in the tie, go to Sevilla, can still go through, but ultimately, you look at the Arsenal feeling against Liverpool last week, they felt like they lost that match, even though 2-2 is probably a good result for them. When you 2-0 up and you sort of throw that lead away, it is quite disappointing and sort of yeah, quite sunken feeling. So um, before we sort of, before we get into the 3-2-1s, so I think it's very easy for the 3-2-1 or the three points. Any positives? Because the first half I thought was very good. And as said, you said maybe we didn't need the third goal. I thought we did, again, not in relation to the performance, but in regards to sort of Killing the giving, us, giving us a buffer in the, in the second leg. But ultimately, the performance, Jane Sanchez could have, could have scored after 30, 40 seconds, the, the rightly offside, but a good bit of football there. Anthony Martial, I thought, was brilliant in his link-up play. I think he got the assist for one of the Sabitzer goals. Bruno got a very similar assist for the other Sabitzer goal. And um, the first half, I thought they started with, we're talking about the player's attitude and concentration in the second half. Well, the first half, I thought it was, and that's not to excuse it, but the first half, I thought they were bang at it. Yeah, agree. That's the thing that it's 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 a really interesting game because when the strongest eleven was out there, it was good football. And and can I say the most pleasing aspect? Let's focus on some positives a little bit. Um, we can play good football without Marcus Rashford, which is a pleasing thing to see. And and Martial again, I know anyone who's watched the United podcast. Man, look, Anthony Martial apologists, and I make no apologies for that because he's a good footballer. And you saw that today. When, when he's on that pitch, different things can happen because he is just technically brilliant. I, I, I know we're linked with a number nine. I promise you, if he could stay fit, he is the perfect number nine for Eric Ten Hag. To, if, if he stayed fit this season, he would have scored 20 to 25 goals this season and he would be the prototype number nine. And we'd still need a number nine because I think he needs competition. But all in all, the ability is there. Let me ask you this. If, if Martial has a strong end to the season, now, um, I think a lot of fans have said oh, it's a foregone conclusion he gets sold in the summer. Is it as clear cut as that? Do you think, just in terms oh, of his no, ability? I, no, I don't think. Player. I don't think it's a sort of straight decision that he's sold. I think it's a straight decision we bring in a striker, and that maybe doesn't include Anthony Martial being first choice next season. Um, I think that's where we're potentially thinking. Okay, if he's not be first choice, we're, we're thinking of a future without Anthony Martial. I think there is a future at Old Trafford with him for sure. But ultimately, I think the main decision is there's going to be a new striker. What that means for his future, maybe that dictates things, potentially. But I don't think at the moment our first thing is, okay, sell Marshall and we'll bring in a striker. I think we're going to bring in a striker. Anthony, what do you want to do? I think that, that'll be the decision-making. But um, you talk about the better football in the, in the front third. I completely agree. I thought Anthony Marshall linked up that play, and that's where a lot of our good football did stem from. Ultimately, though, and... I was look, Sevilla ultimately got what they came for. So, so credit to Sevilla, game plan worked. Ultimately, they left a little bit late, but I, I was really surprised with their approach in that first half in terms of sitting off Manchester United because I think the one time you, you can really get it, Man United is press them high, but they sort of sat off and let Manchester United play out from the back. And I thought the reason, so, so that obviously played into why we played out from the back quite well because Sevilla weren't pressing. 
But two of the players, in terms of really impressed me, playing out from the back. One, not through much through his own activity or engagement in the play, but just the presence of him, Casemiro. I thought him sort of dropping between the centre backs that sort of really allowed sort of our shape sort of to, to take sort of full fruition. But ultimately, David De Gea as well. Now again, he was impressed with the ball, but David De Gea, I'd say, be close to 100% pass completion in regards to playing out from the back. Maybe not on goal kicks or whatever, but just his general play. And again, wasn't pressed, so wasn't put under huge pressure. But um, did his job quite well, which we've had that discussion about De Gea, regardless of his ability or non-ability, as long as he's trying to do the right things and improve for his Manchester United career, he was doing that. But I think the main difference, and again, not through really getting on the ball and dictating play, but just having Casemiro in there, I think he made a huge difference. Yeah. No, 100%. 100%. And Casemiro, his influence on this team, I always say you, you mark the measure of how good a player is, not when they play, but when they don't play. And I think that that's particularly relevant for central midfielders. Well, we had it with Michael Carrick all the time. And the, those who us, I mean this in a really respectful way, and this isn't a pump up your or my tyres, Tom, but we understand what, what a good footballer is. And we understand what a good footballer brings to a football team. And if anyone was around when Michael Carrick, I think it was the 09-10 season, dog's abuse for Michael Carrick from Manchester United fans. A lot of fans thought, oh, all he does is sideway passes. He doesn't add anything. We need a better player. He's not Roy Keane. I remember all of those sentiments happening for the best part of three and four years. And then we had the last time we won the title, everyone thought Michael Carrick was world-class. He had been world-class the whole way through. But the, the problem is when you look at a player like that, all they see is our simplicity. Now, Casemiro is a bit more dynamic in the way he plays so he, he passes the eye test a little bit more and Casemiro does more tackles Carrick was more of a he anticipated so he didn't he didn't even need to go when, when did Carrick ever go to ground for a tackle that barely happened so Casemiro is a bit more dynamic and a bit more to the eye he's more in the Roy Keane mold but when Casemiro doesn't play you absolutely see our failure to play out from the back so great mm. to see the Brazilian back yeah, definitely. Well, fingers crossed they don't get suspended. But when the Lamella got the yellow card for the tackle, I thought Casemiro was going to be sent off. I thought the first tackle was quite quite risky, but then you see the replay and the referee did get that decision right. But um, Bruno Fernandes is suspended. Casemiro, thankfully, is not. But Larry, we'll get in the three two ones, and obviously, the, the, no, no surprise who gets the three points. And I think we haven't really touched on it. Then the podcast was going to be dominated by him if we didn't concede two late goals. But Marcel Sabitzer. Obviously played in that more advanced, that number 10 role in terms of, I'm sure all of us remember his days at Leipzig. The reason we remember Sabitzer's name is because he was always on the score sheet. He was always scoring goals and you're going to do that higher up the pitch. And ultimately he has come to Manchester United. His first few appearances, he was told to replace Casemiro and McTominay and sort of get on the ball and it's simply not his game. He was very McTominay-like sort of in that number six role. Suddenly you put him a little bit further forward and sort of impacting games in the final third of the pitch and he does look the Marcel Sabitzer from Leipzig. So ultimately... At halftime, I was calling for him to get on all set pieces and try and get a hat-trick. Oh, what a, a moment for him to sort of score a hat-trick at Old Trafford in European football. That hasn't happened, but ultimately he has scored a double. And um, wh whether you want to have the discussion around his performance or the discussion around him as a long-term sign-in, um, I'll give you the floor. What discussion is there to have for him as a long-term signing? It should happen. I thought it was a foregone conclusion, and it should be. I've got to say, he's been really good. He's been really good. He's a hell of a footballer. And I like him in that advanced role. I think Eric Ten Hag has almost stumbled on this by accident in the sense of, I think Bruno's a good number 10. I think he's a world-class number 10. But I think the way Ten Hag plays has taken, for lack of a better term, I think it's taken away from what Bruno does well. And Because Bruno, Bruno's a hell of a goal scorer. But he, he's still, if, if you look at the Premier League at least, 
he's still he's, he's up there. He's number one in terms of chances created. But I think the, the, the football intelligence and the ability on the ball that Bruno does have, he looks better in a deeper role. He, he really does. And I could see Bruno as an eight and Sabitzer as a 10. There's something about that, the way, the link-up play, everything, that just seems to work. And, and it definitely wasn't intended because let's remember, Sabitzer was a replacement for Ericsson. And if Ericsson didn't get injured, he wouldn't have even been in a Manchester United shirt. But I think it's a beautiful thing we've stumbled upon. And while I still think United need that box-to-box midfielder, Bruno's emergence as a deeper-lying midfielder maybe doesn't make that as urgent. Potentially. I think Eric Ten Hag holds the answer to that. He's the only one who knows exactly what he wants. I still think deep down in terms of that area of the pitch, his ideal situation is Frankie de Jong. Whether that happens, we'll have a look at the Barcelona situation and what happens with PSG and Lionel Messi and whatever financial restrictions Barcelona have. But but I still think he wants a different player um, in that sort of area of the pitch next to the number six. But I don't think Bruno Fernandes... And look, that's not to say like Bruno Fernandes is very versatile. We've seen him on the right-hand side. We've seen number six. We've seen him number 10. Um, we've seen number eight. He, he can do it all. And that's obviously a sort of very important trait to have. Has your but first choice think... number 10 changed, Tom, with the way Sabitzer plays? Do you think he's not necessarily a better 10, but does he is he more effective as a 10 in this team than Bruno is, you think? My personal opinion, and people sort of correct me wrong with facts and say, no, this is completely wrong. My personal opinion... We don't really play with the number 10. I know we do play with the number 10, like we, we do. So I know I'm well, kind of contradicting advanced myself. Midfielder, let's say. Yeah, for me, it's a 4 3 3, especially when Casemiro plays with, with two weights. Now, when 1 8 goes, okay, 1 8 sits. So one looks like they're in the 10 position, but it sort of it should balance each other out. I don't really see it's a 4 2 3 1 with one simple number 10 sitting behind the striker. I think we're best when we're sort of, they're both at it. Okay, one goes, one sits sort of thing. So I see, like, you look at the Bruno Fernandes goal today with Sabitza. Sabitza is in the number 10 position. Bruno Fernandes doesn't play that from, like, the quarterback position or halfway. He's 10 metres away from Sabitza. He's high as well. So I'm just thinking, like, okay, Sabitza's behind, oh, sorry, Bruno Fernandes is behind Sabitza, so he looks deeper. You're never going to be in perfect positions on the pitch. I think Bruno took up a higher position there. It's just because geographically he looks like he's deeper. Okay, he's playing deep. Well, no, he's just, that's just where he got the ball. Sometimes Sabitzer got the ball there. And um, I think it's one of those ones. I like to see us just play with a normal 4-3-3 and let both of them go. And, um, yeah, what you'd more define it as sort of one of the more advanced midfielders. But, look, in saying all that, um, Sabitzer two goals. He does gets the three points. Oh, absolutely. You know who I'm going to say for two points. Well, I think it would be because he's look. Look, he got the assist. Obviously, a very good assist. Maybe could have done with. Obviously, could have done with a goal, just confidence wise. Um, we'll get into the second half and sort of that impact on the game. But the impact on that first half performance, I thought behind Sabitzer, uh, Marshall was the best player. But well, maybe the most important player. Agree. That's just when he plays compared to when Veghorst plays, chalk and cheese. <laughs> when Veghorst came on, and I don't think Veghorst did anything wrong, but you just saw the just the aesthetics of the, of the body movement when Veghorst came on. You said, "Oh God, he's lucky to be it's, a Manchester United player." It's not even aesthetics. He, he he is slow. He slows it down. Like that, that's the reality. It's not a case of like like I think Juan Bissaka aesthetically looks like he's got a poor off first touch. I, I think his first touch is fine. I think he's just very gangly and awkward. Hmm. But Veghorst aesthetically is, isn't great. But his touch is slow. Everything he does is just—it's that bit slower, and that's why just—it doesn't—it doesn't fit. Um, but here's my frustration with Veghorst. And again, I don't, I don't hate being—almost feel bad to pick on him. You know, like you just—you look at him and you're like, 
I feel like he's you and me, Tommy. He's just he's, he's a mate who just got lucky enough. He got picked. He, he won. He won. He got picked. He got his name picked out of a draw, and he gets to play for Manchester United for the next rest of the season. The layoff to Malasia late in the second half to shoot. Another striker just hits that first time. Like that's that's. No, it, it wasn't hit the first time. It was played a little bit more to his left foot. He played a little bit central. Malasia had to sort of take the touch, but just laid a little bit more off to the left, and Malasia can hit it first time into that near post. Again, maybe that's me being a little bit pedantic and sort of in frustration of the result. But um, yeah, it's it's hard picking on Veghorst because I think his performance warrants a lot of sort of singling out and criticism. But ultimately, for what he is um, and what he's given us, um, it's very hard to be critical of him. But some three, two, one, here, yes, Steve. It'd be hard not to sort of agree with this. But Sabitza for all the points, we will try and be fair. We've obviously gone Sabitza for three, Martial for two. Uh, Mark, I'm going Schwartz and Sabitzer. Have you seen the alternate MUC commentary? They're going really well with um, um, Sabitzer and Schwartz Sabitzer. Anthony, yeah, I thought Anthony had a good game and Bruno for one point. Um, Anthony's performance, I said fine margins. That ball hits inside of the post and goes in. We're saying a world-class goal on tie over. And um, another inch the other way, we're having a different discussion. So just your thoughts on Anthony? Because, again, Look, we've conceded two goals, but obviously he wasn't on the pitch. But defensively, I think he gives you a lot just in regards to his work rate. That's why I think he's Eric Tenag's main man on that right-hand side. He's improving. He's improving game on game now. I'm, I'm definitely seeing it. He's starting to use his right foot, which is pleasing, and I think they've been working on that. And Tenag's alluded to that a number of times throughout the season, you know, saying, you know, we're, we're working on his right foot. Um, and and he's, he's starting to beat players. I think in the last three games, he has had at least one successful one-on-one dribble. Which is which is pleasing to see. That's been the criticism. It's he gets to the, he gets into those areas of the pitch. He looks like he's going to take him on. Back puts the ball on the back on the outside of the foot and back pass. But he, he's backing himself. I don't know if it's a one point worthy, but I'm seeing positive signs. And you're right. If he scores that goal, I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd be all over that. But one point, I'm not. Yeah, no, I probably, I probably wouldn't say point. The, the, the person I'd be looking at one point, whether again, maybe not so much through get. His actual own doing individually, but just what he brought. I thought Casemiro, I, I thought did everything nice, nice and good. Now ultimately, enough for a point, maybe not. But you'll go around the pitch and sort of other people having mistakes, which potentially prove costly. Well, they definitely don't deserve points. The other man you mentioned there, and defensively, I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and look at the goals if he plays any part. I doesn't. I don't think so from memory. Uh, maybe someone could prove me wrong. Then um, you just mentioned a little bit earlier in regards to touch. I thought Aaron Wan-Bissaka again today. Uh, I thought I had a yeah. pretty, especially going forward, a, a solid game. Again, not the in terms of the way we think attacking fullbacks. You want to get to the byline and whip across in for an assist. Not so much that, but in that sort of that previous phase, sort of in and around halfway, getting the ball to Anthony, getting the ball to the striker, getting the ball into midfield. I thought playing out for the back today, Wan-Bissaka, um, one of his more sort of accomplished performances. Well, he's the only defender on the pitch who I can say has absolutely no faults in, in, in the goals. So uh, I think that would be valid. And I, I look, can we say just quietly, the Deleuwe Wambasaka debate has just gone to the side because Eric Ten Hag has clearly said it's Wambasaka mm-hmm. first choice. And we've all just kind of been doing our starting 11s. Every match preview, we're all choosing Wambasaka. Eric Ten Hag is now choosing Wambasaka. Debate over. Wambasaka has fought See, his oh, way the I agree today. I agree today, but is it going to shock you if Delo starts against Nottingham Forest? It won't shock me, but I think it's very clear. If if there's a final, and, and that's how you know. If yeah, there's a cup no. final, that's your best team. If this is a cup but final... But Diego Delo start. Oh, look, I agree completely, and, and things change even throughout the cup final, but we had a cup final and Diego Delo started. I know he had a ball yeah. game and Wambasaka came on, which changes the debate, but... um. 
Well, that, that was late like January, right? I mean, yeah. I, I think it's changed. I, I think at the time the debate was still very much well and on. I, I think Wanda yeah. Saka has willfully and truthfully cemented himself as first choice. I think he deserves unbelievable amounts of credit in regards to the way Reeves, and through no fault of his own, he wasn't performing bad because simply because he wasn't before he wasn't on the pitch to perform, and we just sort of wrote him off. Okay, get rid of him, he, and we kind of sort of maybe just lazily said, "Oh, he's no good" because he wasn't playing. He didn't do anything sort of wrong to sort of warrant us sort of saying he was no good. So ultimately, the the turnaround Aaron Wan-Bissaka has done to his Manchester United career, I think, one hundred percent deserves huge credit and. Um, Ultimately, we go back to players who aren't performing, whether they're not performing or they're simply not playing. Take your pick of who you wanted to be, a Paul Pogba, a Jesse Lingard, in whatever circumstance. Marcus Rashford, when he's out of form, or potentially on the bench once or twice. You hear all these things in the room, in the media about looking for a move away, um, unrest in the dressing room, this bit of baggage, that bit of baggage. Aaron Wan-Bissaka got his head out. You did not hear a peep. Now, I know he's not the fashionable name like Lingard or Pogba or Rashford, but you never heard a peep out of his camp. Obviously, there was rumours in terms of the... I'm sure there was sort of genuine discussions with Crystal Palace, maybe one or two other interested clubs. But you never heard rumours about him forcing a move or wanting a move or unhappy with the manager. So the way Aaron Wan-Bissaka was completely sort of frozen out and come back and put... And not just performances, but improved. To, to come back and improve, um, I, I think it's a huge thing under, again, a very demanding manager, very Ten Hag. Aaron Wan-Bissaka would never have seen football or the demands... Um, from a manager like Harry Ten Hag would have placed on him. I'm not sure who Aaron Wan-Bissaka had at Crystal Palace as manager. Um, probably Roy Hodgson, to be fair. But I, I don't think that would ever have been placed in the technical and tactical demands that Harry Ten Hag would have um, been placed on him. So to sort of come in and adapt to that at this level and perform to the level he's doing, I think Aaron Wan-Bissaka um, deserves huge credit from us. Yeah, he does. He, How much football did he play between the start of the season and December? I'm going to say I remember a substitution appearance against Liverpool. He wasn't I making the squad. He wasn't making the match day squad. He, he wasn't playing. He just was not playing. I think he played less than 90 minutes between the start of yeah. the season and the end of the World Cup. He he was so you know whatever's happened now again we don't know the the back end. I have to assume there was something he was doing. There were some reports a while ago, Tom, that Wambasaka kept going back to London, and that was really pissing off Eric Ten Hag. So apparently not staying in Manchester. But apparently mm. he's, that, that stopped. He's put his head down. He's trained hard. And he's been integrated back into the squad as a result. And he's taken his opportunities. Um, so no, good on him. And, and it'll be really interesting. I, 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 We've never seen Eric Ten Hag be a manager going into a transfer window. The, the thing that I t- will find quite interesting is, is he... Is he, cause he the, the best credit I can give Ten Hag is when United have gone into transfer windows, we always say, who are going to buy these players? The value of Wan-Bissaka, the value of Diogo yeah. Delo, the value of Scott McTominay, all these players have gone up. So if any of these players get sold to strengthen the squad, and that's the thing, I, I wouldn't really be opposed to Wan-Bissaka getting sold. Like, I, I think I think one of him or Delo should go. I, I don't know which one that is. I, I personally, like... I think Wambasaka is better than Delo, so that's why I think he's probably the more sellable asset. I think Delo is. If, if Eric Ten Hag has a first choice right back in mind, if he says, "I want this right back," like he wanted Anthony, like he wanted Lissandro Martinez, like he wanted Chris Jerickson, if there's a right back he wants, okay, you sell one of them. At the if he's undecided on a right back, I think there's far more pressing issues. You look at centre back now; we could have Lissandro Martinez out for a year with Achilles injuries. You never know what's going to happen. Fingers crossed that's not the case. And obviously, a huge need up front. At striker as well, but Marquis, 100% credit to Aaron Wan-Bissaka given what he's had to deal with. 
And Steve, obviously, with an interesting point in regards to we did see how Luke Shaw sort of has sort of kicked on in his career with a bit of competition. Maybe that has sort of maybe changed Aaron Wan-Vissaka's sort of mindset as well. But we'll go to three two ones. We'll go three points for Marcel Sabitzer, two points for Anthony Martial, and one point for Aaron Wan-Vissaka. So interesting one there. But um, and, and I think deserving of those points, those three players. But Larry, before we do wrap up, um, obviously we've got Nottingham Forest on Sunday in the UK. Monday, I think it's one thirty Monday morning in Australia, which is an unfortunate kickoff time, but that is the life of a Man United fan here. But um, I don't know where that, what to sort of wrap up on because it was good performance, but then ultimately a disastrous performance and result at the end of the day. Ultimately, my sinking feeling, we saw Marcus Rashford in the stands. Fingers, he looked comfortable. That, that's good. Fingers crossed he's back on the pitch soon. Lissandra Martinez, the Rafael Varane one I can deal with because I think just my hunch is, okay, it's a little bit of a knock or a little bit of a precaution. He'll be back in a week or two if at worst. Lissandra Martinez, again, I'm not a doctor. I've seen Achilles before, Larry. <laughs> I think he's done. Oh, yeah. If he hasn't done his Achilles, I'll shave my head on this stream. He's done his someone, Achilles. So, someone clipped that. Fingers crossed Lissandra Martinez is starting against Nottingham Forest. He's done his Achilles. And, the, again, I, I come back to who replaces him. There's no one. I, I think Lindelof is the most natural replacement. And again, I will go back to while Maguire has played more football than Lindelof, Maguire plays exclusively as a right-sided centre-back. I think he views Lindelof as a left-sided centre-back in this team, and I think Lindelof will actually be the one to come in. Well, because Lindelof's the better... He's probably the closest we'll get. You know what will be interesting? Shaw's back soon. We've seen Shaw deployed at... Yeah, I think that's... I think well, that's so, so I saw a comment earlier. I forget who was saying it. Now, through injury, obviously not going to happen, but they said Scott Mortomino. Scott Mortomino is obviously not under Eric Ten Hag, but featured once or twice for Scotland or Jose Mourinho at the back. So that would have been interesting. Obviously, his injury um, would prevent that. But if Luke Shaw comes back from injury, I think, that, well, ultimately, you look at the Manchester derby. Um, it, it is the direct replacement. Well, he's the most natural replacement. Left-footed. Luke Shaw says he's six foot. I'm not sure I believe that. I've always had that hunch with Luke Shaw. I think he puts heels on in his shoes. Anyway. I've got um, a photo somewhere I, here with him. Um, yeah. He's a big, big guy. He's a big guy. Yeah, but you're, you're not the biggest guy. Yeah, yeah, to be fair. Well, I'll shave my head too. Actually, I've just seen, yeah, I, I could do with a, a bit of a trim to, um, today. I'll go off, have a shower before work. Um, Chris here also, also saying shave it as well. Yeah, fingers crossed he's not injured and we'll get those clippers out for Larry. And um, we have six weeks to hold on for the season. More injuries are coming. Well, we, we get into the sort of criticism of Eric Ten Hag's um, Bruno substitution, but ultimately we've been crying out for weeks to sub Bruno Fernandes. Ultimately, when it has come, um, we can see why Eric Ten Hag doesn't do it. Uh, maybe that is exactly why. Yeah, Box makes a good yeah. point here. D don't trust Malassia. I've got to be honest. I, I know people have been praising Malassia. I think there's a massive drop-off. I think oh, there's a, yeah, there's a massive drop off for that. What the drop off will do when you bring in a what was he 13 million pound left back? Obviously, there's going to be a drop off. Yeah, but I think when you sign a young player like that, you're you're buying potential. I don't. I don't yeah, potential like potential's in five years' time. Potential's not for Saturday. Even on potential, I don't see it. When he fulfills his potential, if Malasia improves, which he will. Is he as good as Luke Shaw? I don't think so. I, I don't. I don't see. Yeah. I don't think. No, he's no. Good. I think Luke Shaw at times is sort of regarded as one of the best left backs in the world. Uh, I think whoever's going to be the understudy to that is going to have big shoes to fill. But I do. I do agree completely in regards to if he is fit. 
in regards to what we have seen, especially in that Manchester derby, when I think, uh, someone correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure Victor Lindelof and Harry Maguire were available for selection, and ultimately it was Varane and Luke Shaw. So the evidence we have in regards to who the preferred replacement is when, when Lissandro Martinez is out is Luke Shaw, and um, that will be very interesting, but if he's coming back from injury. I think Luke Shaw, as our centre-back for the rest of the season, is very, very probable. Say that again? I think Luke Shaw, as our centre-back for the rest of the season, is very probable. If you look at how Ten Hag sets up, he, he seems like is similar to Guardiola. He likes having a left-sided, left-footed centre-back because it just means like it's a natural progression when they're playing out. When you're right side on your left, on the left, like well, of course it can be done, but it's that, it's that split second quicker because it's just more natural. Yeah. I understand it too. I think Shaw, Shaw's the most natural replacement to Martinez. Shaw's good on the ball, good defender. I think that the thing with Shaw obviously is defensive positioning. That, that's that's the risk because when when you play as a left back, which you know I play as a left back in when I play football. It's, it's a different position. It's a completely different position, and your responsibilities are different. So he would need someone constantly talking to him, Luke Shaw. And then there's the concern as well. If it's Varane and Shaw, you can handle Shaw at centre-back. If it's Maguire and Shaw at centre-back, it's a bit more hairy. Don't know. It's interesting to see what Ten Hag does. Well, he's going to have to do something um, because it is a quick turnaround, not just for Sevilla, but a very important game. Wait, not in five Maybe he'll Martinez. We'll, we'll tape it up and you'll be right. That, that wouldn't shock you, fingers crossed. And we'd obviously love to see Larry get the Clippers out next week on the stream. But, um, Mark, give me, this way I do get a little bit of hope um, in regards to, and again, I, I think that a lot of, and I'm guilty of this as well, a lot of the Evra and Malaysia comparisons are quite lazy just in regards to <clears throat> the physical stature of the two players in terms of the way they play the game. But, yeah, when Patrice Evra came, um, he, he looked he looked woeful. Like, even yeah. though we knew he was a good player, he looked woeful, Larry. I, um, I think he was, but I think that's different. Evra always had the... Everett always had the ability on the ball. I think that's where Malassia lacks. It's not defensively. Just on the ball, I don't think he's quite there. Hmm. No, well, time will tell. Fingers crossed um, we're not having this discussion next week. Fingers crossed we've got one foot in the – well, both in the semifinal this time next week. I'll just have a quick look, Larry, um, at the other results in the Europa League because there are other, other teams in the competition, believe it or not. Feyenoord beat Roma, so that's not a good one for Jose. That's an interesting one. That was in Feyenoord. Leverkusen and – Final scored. The goal scorer was Wifer. One nil. Oh, oh, well, one nil. Sorry, yeah. The, this goal scorer was Wifer. By the way, because had a one-one draw with against that Union team. Don't know where that Union. Is they from Belgium. Union they, they might be Berlin. Um, they had a one-one draw with Leverkusen. Juventus got the win against Sport and Lisbon and uh, Sporting and Juventus are on our side of the draw. So Juventus have potentially one foot in the semi-final. Uh, we got to go away to Sevilla now, Larry. Is now not playing yet. I saw he was on the bench. Um, he didn't come. Did he come on? Um, he came on in the 86th minute for Di Maria. So um, oh, you, you would love Pogba and Di Maria back at Old Trafford in the semi-final. But Larry, that, semi-final. Wow, Pogba. Sorry, Tom. But I'm Larry, just... semi-final. Do we get back? Do we get there? Is it Sevilla against Juventus or United against Juventus? Because now, two-two. I, I think we drop out. That, that's just my hunch. I, I just got a feeling. I think Ten Hag is prioritizing the league in the FA Cup. I don't think he's prioritizing. I just think the facts of the matter now with injuries and going away to Spain, um, I think there's just a good chance it just the way football happens that Sevilla get a better result on the day. And if they get a better result than us on the day, um, simple math says they're through. All right. There's some – I'm just keeping up with the press, Tom. Um, oh, hold on. This is from Ten Hag. I cannot tell you what it is, but it's not Achilles. 
it's not that area. I told you I'm not a doctor. Don't listen to me. I'm not a doctor. He'll still be out for a long he time. He did look a little bit to the side. He's rather than sort of grabbing the calf and the back of the no, foot. He, he grabbed the back. The only other thing you can think of is it's just it was non-impact. That That's the interesting part. I don't know if Eric Ten Hag's playing a bit of cat and mouse there. I'm not convinced. Yeah. I'm not oh, and sometimes there may be if the swelling, even the doctors and physios would have no clue. Maybe they do need to wait and sort of wait for the swelling to come down. But look, fingers crossed. And as I said, anything I said at the start in regards to me sort of thinking it's an Achilles, I'm not a doctor. Who knows? Ten Hag, defends his, uh, Ten Hag defends his positioning around the substitutions. He says Rafa was injured. Then Martial, um, first start in a long time. We had to make him come off in the 60. Bruno, I got a warning from the ref about a second booking. Same with Anthony. Mm. I had to make the subs. No other choice. So Anthony, he was concerned about getting a red. Bruno, he was he, he was concerned he was going to get a red. And he and with Rafael Varane sub already made, he felt he had no choice. Interesting. Well, I, I like him with, with that. And look, obviously he needs to defend himself, and rightly so. But also, I come back to while we're critical of it now, in hindsight, I also look at it at the time, and again, not to blame it on Terrell Malassia, because I think the issues were far bigger than him in that last five minutes. But ultimately, it, it does come down to individuals. And if he simply clears that ball or deals with that situation better, we're having a far different discussion. We're 2-0 or we're through to the semi-final, And um, we're sort of praising the game management and giving these players a rest. So ultimately, I do look at Eric Ten Hag's decision-making in that time. And he probably does get it right. Now, ultimately, we can sit here and say it's wrong in terms of the way it has backfired, of course. But um, yeah, I've got full faith in Eric Ten Hag. Maybe a, sort of an off day at the office that happens. Um, fingers crossed he can, he and um, the players can bounce back on Sunday against Forrest because um, we're going to need it. Um, need to sort of regroup a little bit of form, um, so so would say, um, ahead of that trip David to Sydney. Uh, David McDonald from the, from the Mirror is suggesting it, it is an Achilles. Paul Scholes thinks it's an Achilles. Yeah. We don't have rocks in our heads. I think te, I think Ten Hag's playing a bit of cat and mouse here. I think it's an you don't you don't do what Martinez did with an ankle. You, you feel an ankle go. There's a twist. There's a turn. It's an Achilles. I'm telling you. I, I think that this is cat and mouse. Wait till it comes out. Ten Hag does this all the time. Look at the Rashford injury. He'll be out for a few games. What's that mean? Yeah, well, I could well, well, box put in here. Jamie Jackson has reported in ten or Ten Hag um, from Ten Hag's mouth. I'm um, saying there is a chance Marcus Rashford is fit to face Sevilla next week. Fingers crossed that is the case because I'd, I'd like to see Marcus. Obviously, you've got to need that goal threat on the counter. Uh, whether we play counter attacking style, I'm not sure, but you're definitely going to need that threat in behind us to be and hopefully you can link up with Anthony Marshall because I thought Jaden Sancho actually played quite well, but just not enough to warrant a spot over anyone in terms of it really didn't take his chance. So um, I think you have definitely got to need Marcus Rashford in that second leg. But look, look if Eric, um, Dr. Ten Hag um, is playing a blinder here, um, Larry can get those clippers ready for next week and when Lissandra Wait, Martinez. See, I'm not convinced. I'm, I'm a man of my word, but I'm not I'm not convinced Ten Hag's giving us the truth here. Unfortunately, I do think you might be correct there. But fingers crossed um, the butcher can recover quickly, even if it is a serious injury. Um we're going to need him next season. It's not just about this season. We're going to have bigger games than Sevilla in the Europa League next season. Fingers crossed it's Real Madrid in the Champions League semi-final. And um, we're definitely going to need Lissandro Martinez for that. So, Larry, before we wrap up, um, any parting words on today's, I'd say, disappointment? Just move on. Um, turn it around in the second leg. And if you do that, then this game's easily forgotten. We're, we're halftime. It's halftime yeah. in another game, in a game of football. Manchester United got 90 minutes to make up for this. So let's wait and see. It, it's At the end of the day, let's call it a nil-all draw. 
we go again. And that's where we sit. It's just treated like another game of football. Go win the next game and you're through. We've won a few so games in Spain this year as well. Obviously, beaten Sociedad, beaten Betis. Um, got a good performance and result away in Barcelona. So um, maybe Man United, maybe they, they sleep well in Spain, maybe. Um, Let's maybe. not rewrite history. If Manchester United played their strongest team for the rest of the game, we win that game comfortably. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt in my mind. Let's also not forget if our centre-backs stay fit again. But the fear is, I, I 100% agree, the fear is we won't have our strongest team in Spain. Well, and again, if that's what happens, then I think Ten Hag is not prioritizing. I think he wants to win these competitions, but I think he's also realizing the Premier League is more important. And that's why he pulls off his best players in the 60th minute. Case in point, he's not doing that against Nottingham Forest. I promise you that. Time will tell. Look, I, I agree in part. Um, I think it's also just oh, with this isolated incident, isolated game in terms of 90 minutes. Sometimes we sort of draw all these other games and sort of... I need my coffee. Morning coffee. It is almost 8 o'clock, so I do appreciate everyone joining. We had a 50-minute stream this morning. Um, as I said, it was supposed to be sort of just sort of praising Sabitzer and his match-winning double. Ultimately, five minutes before the stream, we had to change everything and sort of change everything to an absolute um, severe shocker. But um, we do appreciate everyone's interaction in the comments, um, their live chat. Um, make sure you do leave a like on the video on your way out. They'll be very much appreciated and cheer us up ahead of the weekend and uh, make sure you do subscribe and hit that notification bell so you are notified next time we do go live not sure maybe tonight with the Nottingham Forest preview or maybe tomorrow or maybe just a sort of natural review post-match on Monday night um, time will tell um, I'm going to see not sure Larry if you join us not sure maybe anyone in the supporters club our Man United supporters club here in Sydney are off to see Morgan Schneiderlin um, obviously former Manchester United player tomorrow. He's playing here in the A-League, going off to watch him play and maybe meet him for a photo autograph or two. And, um, yeah, a good weekend ahead. Um, that on Saturday night, then Man United Sunday night. Looking forward to your weekend, mate. It's a Manchester United field one, one way or another. So uh, it, that's always a good weekend, Tom. And make sure and you do say to any... um, all the orthodox people. Um, anyone who's Orthodox, happy Easter for this week. Well, it's Greek Easter. I'm off to my um, wife, her um, parents' place. Obviously, Greek Easter is a weekend sort of process and protocol in terms of nothing but eating meat dishes for you know, six hours. So um, I'll come back looking like a balloon on um, Monday for the stream. But um, make sure you are notified. Any huge breaking news we'll get around Lissandra Martinez, I'm sure we'll go live. But Box here saying Lissandra Martinez has an inflamed area. That is why they're going to do studies later. But it is presumed that the injury is the tendon. Achilles, Achilles tendon, tendon. That, that's what rings a bell for me. But until then, hopefully everyone has a good weekend. Um, stay safe and um, eat plenty, and um, we'll chat to you soon. Cheers. Cheers.